love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. Recognize that everybody's human. Some humans make bad decisions. Um, Some humans just don't understand. I believe, in my opinion, that they deserve to be met with love. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. Today's love story belongs to Tyler Simmons. He's an amazing, award-winning Black Canadian filmmaker who's making a difference in the world with his voice, talent, and a commitment to love. Tyler, how are you? Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, this is just a pleasure. And I guess we've got to lead with love mm-hmm. because that's what you do. <laughs> yes, it's what I Tell try to do. Tell me about your yeah. relationship with love these days. It's um, my relationship with love. That's a really good question. Um, I feel like... Yeah, it's been a really tough um, couple of years, and um, I feel I feel genuinely that the way that I am able to get through it and to be functional through all of this, all of this stuff that's going on in the world right now, um, is by leading with love and keeping love at the um at the center of my life that's a beautiful description let's talk a little bit about your life and give people an idea of what your journey has been can you take me back to your experience growing up yeah for sure i um i grew up in north preston um which is the largest black community in canada and um I grew up around some amazing family. It was uh, it was really interesting growing up in North Preston, just because, um, like next door, I had cousins that lived next to me, and my grandmother and my granddad lived next to me. Um, so it was always family around. I always felt safe, um, and I felt that I was. I always felt that I was different from everyone, um, which sort of made things a little bit, uh, made things a bit challenging for me. I felt like I didn't really fit in and um, that caused a lot of anxiety. I was afraid of saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing um, more than most kids, I think. And um caused a lot of sadness um but i had these amazing family members around me so it was um yeah it was it was really interesting it was me 
trying to feel grateful for the family that I have around me, but at the same time feeling this pain within that a lot of people didn't really know about. I was just going to ask, did you mask that well with the people around you? Um, when I talk to people about it now, they say that I did mask it really well, but I didn't feel like I did. Um, when I was younger, I thought that everybody knew that I was dealing with this pain inside. But whenever I speak to other people, they say that um, I was really good at masking it and they had no idea. Mm, it's powerful because there are so many people around us all who fit that description, right? Yeah. We think they're okay. We think they're doing great. And inside they're aching. Yeah, that's so true. So how did you eventually come to address that sadness, that depression? Yeah, so I was, um, I went a really long time as a kid feeling um, depressed and anxious. And uh, it was my last year of high school. I remember I, um, I was a bit fed up and I was thinking, I have to do something about this. I have to figure out what's going on in my mind. And I went to the school library and I printed off these, uh, these different articles about anxiety and depression. And it was the first time I really looked really deep into it. Um, and I took these articles home to my parents and I showed them to them and, um, that was when things started to change. My parents, my parents read these articles and they said to me, they were like, yeah, we don't really know much about this. We don't know much about depression. We don't know much about anxiety, but we believe you. And we're going to take you to see your family doctor and we want you to get help for it, which was really, really helpful. Um, and since then, that's when my journey started with mindfulness. I started learning, oh, I'm not the only person that feels this way. There are a ton of people in the world that feel this way. And just knowing that, it was really good validation for myself. And um, I didn't feel alone anymore. When do you think you learned that power of speaking it to others? Apart from, apart from any therapy you might have had, I'm talking about friends or family. Yeah, I, when I first talked to my family about it, I didn't really, um, I don't know, I w it was just this, it felt like it was this fire inside of me. I was like, I have to let them know how I'm feeling and I need help. But I wasn't really communicating it in the right way. I, at times I would get angry and um, just frustrated. I would get frustrated at family members for not understanding. And, um, and it took me some time. I had to do a lot of mindfulness practices. I had to um, speak to psychiatrists and to a psychologist and... Um, and I read a lot of books on mindfulness and mental health. And also compassion was a really big thing. I 
started reading a lot about and having empathy for others and meeting them where they are. And um, yeah, I started to realize how to talk to my family about this. I started realizing that in a way there is a right and wrong way. And um, the ways of me in the past getting frustrated with them for not understanding, I now look back at that and I I would never do that because um, it's not their fault that they didn't understand. And, um, and that's, and I realized that that was a part of the healing process too. Um, having that compassion for other people, it helped me have more compassion for myself. Um, it's really the leading with love thing. It's, um, I think when you lead with love and you and you're really dealing with something and you take it to somebody that you care about and um you're doing it in a loving way um it, for me it's helped me heal a lot. Let's talk about the healing around racism right now on a societal level on a global level but also for you and, and how love factors into that uh, stew of, of racism and Black Lives Matter. Mm. Yeah, the, um, I'm just pausing because it's, it's been such a long uh, couple of years with um, so many racial injustices and so many traumas that uh, not only the black community has been dealing with, but the indigenous community, the Asian community. And um, there's a lot of pain right now. Um, and <clears throat> I think about when I first saw the George Floyd video and how mm -hmm. my first reaction I think rightfully so was a lot of people's first reaction. It was anger. I was really angry about that. Um, and I had a talk with my friend, Verena Rizk, and um, we talked about how we can address these issues and how we can even just think about these issues in a more productive way. And um, I think it's extremely important for the black community and indigenous community and Asian community to hold people accountable. Um, and at the same time, to do it with love, um, which is something that's that's hard to do because when you're frustrated and you're angry, you want to yell. You want to let people know how upset you are. And I think that that's okay. But I think that for myself, the more productive way of handling these issues is to hold them accountable, but also recognize that everybody's human some humans make bad decisions. Um, some humans just don't understand 
but they're still human. And I believe, in my opinion, that they deserve to be met with love. It takes my breath away a little, and it um, it makes me very emotional to hear you uh, say that um, and put it so beautifully, really. I am sure there are people who say to you, come on, I mean, why aren't, why aren't you angry? And because I can, as a, as a white Nova Scotian, I can easily put myself in a mindset where I'd think, how angry would I be Mm -hmm. if I were part of the black community here? Even, even just because of the fact that it's taken so long for for good well-meaning white people to wake up to racism yeah it's um it's really frustrating um it's really frustrating but i think even with covid happening i think um a big thing to me now it's um it's it's about us all learning to love one another and I know that a lot of people say that that is this cliche thing to say or it's not really realistic and I get that I really do get it but um but I've been angry I've spoken out with anger before and I remember how that made me feel. That felt painful for me. That didn't feel like I was really doing anything to move things forward. And um, even in this pandemic, it's really, I've really been sitting with my thoughts so much. And, and I, and I think a lot like, okay, what can I do to, help things get better without just reacting because I'm going to feel anger. It's natural. I'm going to be frustrated. It's natural. Uh, So I'm, so I have to let myself feel these things because it's natural. I have to let it out somehow, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. how am I going to communicate it? How, how am I going to have a conversation with somebody? I have to do it with love because that's the only way I really believe people can change is if you approach them with love. This podcast is brought to you by Charm Diamond Centers, Canada's largest family-owned jewelry store. They are proud to be putting love on the map. And the staff at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story too. So visit CharmDiamondCenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. Well, you are an amazing example of making love a verb instead of a noun. And Thank you so much. in some ways you you animate love by by creating films. Tell me how mm. that got started. Yeah, so I um I actually started making these uh abstract f- type of films when I was in my early 20s, uh, probably like 21, 22, and um it was my way of expressing how I felt 
through visuals and um it was just something that i really fell in love with um being someone that was very introverted still am and very anxious um it was this way of showing people oh this is who i am and um and yeah recently it's turned into something more i feel and i think that it i feel like my um my creative talent it's grown as i've grown as a person um so when i'm putting out lead with love the series or i'm um, working on the docu-series that i'm working on right now and all of these film projects i like to put a lot of i like to put my heart into it so if i'm feeling um like the world needs more love and it's my job to put more of that into the world then uh that's really where the idea for the film projects come from yeah it's it's always been the same for me really even uh in my early 20s i was a lot of the time i was in a dark place and a lot of those films are pretty dark so it's really if you go back and you look through all of them you can kind of see that the more that i progress the films progress in a certain way yeah do you from from my perspective looking at your your story and your success I see this equation, and I'm curious as to whether you feel the equation of purpose plus passion equals uh, sort of this amazing success that has um, come about for you that you've created. Do you do you feel that your, for instance, the Huffington Post uh, named you one of the ten inspirational people under thirty you should be following on Twitter, and your your filmmaking is you know receiving a great uh, amount of notice. Do you feel like your success is built on that purpose and passion that you feel? Oh, one hundred percent. I um, I actually always, I tell people this a lot that I um. I I really don't feel like I'm that much better as a filmmaker than a lot of people or anything. I don't think that I'm that much better as a speaker as a lot of people, but I am just really really passionate and um and I feel that I do know my purpose in life, which um which I'm really grateful for, but it's really this fire inside of me and I just keep going. Um, yeah, there's so many times in my life where I've been told no, and like when it comes to um, like a project or something like that. But it never has stopped me. Like even with the public speaking, um, a lot of people know about the TED Talk that I did and um, We Day and stuff like that. But before that, I was told by a lot of people like oh yeah you can't speak here because that's not what we're looking for and stuff like that and and i think a part of that is my passion i'm not afraid of rejection at all um which is i feel like makes me 
a bit of an alien sometimes. Well, it's a paradox too, isn't it? Considering with considering your history with mental health, mm. considering your past with mental health struggles, it's a paradox that you don't have that fear of failure. Yeah, it's um you know, I remember when I had a lot of fear of failure in the past and um and it was it was it felt crippling at times um and i remember it took me going to like hitting rock bottom basically um with my mental health and getting in a really really dark place for me to sort of change that way of thinking um i i, I feel like a switch just turned in my head and i thought you know what um rejection isn't that bad it's a it's a lesson and um and i made this promise to myself that if i'm going to live here on earth if i'm going to stay alive that i'm actually going to live i'm actually going to just go for the things that i want no matter how afraid i am so okay so with love as your chosen tool and fuel as well what are the things you want to change what do you want to do um i want to improve a lot of things um by injecting my peace into the world by injecting what i feel what i like my passions into the world and into other people um, and I never really think I want to change the world because it just sounds so big and it feels so overwhelming. And, and I, and I really think that this world is, is a beautiful place. Um, there's a lot of things that are, are pretty bad about it. Um, there are things that make us angry and sad and we wish we're different, but but I think that um, everything has the potential to grow into something better. And um, I just want to use my voice and use my different outlets as this thing that can inject something into all of these things, even if it's somebody that, I don't know, um, somebody that's so different from me and their mission isn't love. Um, I want to be able to let them see that there's this guy who's um, out there um, advocating for love and still wants the best for them, even though um, they probably have a lot of hate in their heart. Um, just because I believe so much. And I've always been that way since I was a kid. I just, I just really believe that things can improve and that we can improve things. Um, we just at times need to get out of our own ways. And what about mental health? What, what do you really feel needs to be done and, and how do you want to be a part of that happening? Yeah, with mental health, there needs to, um, I think there needs to be a lot more people who, who are speaking 
openly and um, helping reduce the stigma. And right now I really feel that the black community, they, we need, we need to know that it's, um, it's okay to speak about our mental health. It's okay to see a therapist. It's okay to receive help. Um, the fear that's there, it's very valid. And um, I think that the more that we talk about it and we try to um, we try to normalize it in a way, um, I feel like we can just help people feel so so less alone. Um, I know right now during this pandemic, so many people are feeling alone, um, especially youth, and loneliness is a very uh, it can it can really eat at you and make you depressed and just cause things like um, suicidal thoughts. And um, that's one of the reasons why I'm so open about talking about my past with living with depression and things like that, because I want people to know that they're not alone. Um, when you're depressed, it, it feels so lonely, but, um, but there are so many people in this world that really genuinely just care and want to help. And even if they don't know you sometimes, um, they just want to help. Let's talk about that sense of connection and community that's so important, that sense of belonging, by going back to where we kind of started this conversation and Let's talk about the community you grew up in. You said North Preston is the largest black community in Canada. And um, after a year and a half where we've seen so much turmoil and, and such, I hope, uh, an important shifting of, of sands um, towards people being uh, loving, as you are talking about, toward anyone, no matter what they're skin color or ethnic origin or or height or sexual preference is. Um, but what I would love to do is turn the focus on your community that you grew up in for a moment and let's talk about the beauty of it. Tell me what you loved about that community growing up. Oh, it's so beautiful. Um, the different people in the community, uh, so many different characters with, um, so much love, like so much love. And, um, I think that's one of the reasons why I feel so strongly about love too, because you think about a place like North Preston or East Preston, um, Preston overall, you think about the history of it and how the people were put there to not survive. And, um, let's dig into that just for a moment, because for those who aren't from, from Nova Scotia, they may not know that, uh, it's an area that is isolated from the city. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, um, you know, you talk about loneliness. It's, it's physically isolated from the city. Yeah. It's, um, a place where we were, um, put to not, survive not very much resources and um it's what it's become is um 
what's so inspirational to me it, when you go into North Preston or East Preston and you see love, you see people um, that are waving to each other and just hanging out with each other. You see kids running around. It's almost like um, a storybook type of feel. And um, in so when I think about the past of North Preston or the past of black people in general, and then I think about my community, how these are people who are so forgiving, so loving, always there when you need them. Um, I've always felt the, safet the safest in North Preston. Um, it's like um, everything, I don't know, it, everything sort of makes sense to me when it comes to love. It's like, okay, this is what happiness is. Happiness is being around the people that you care about and um, being there for the people that you care about. There are bad things that have happened in this world. There are terrible things that have happened in this world. There are terrible things that happened to my people. But just seeing the amount of love in all of them, it's just mind-blowing. And, um, and I remember that growing up. I remember hanging out with my friends around North Preston and just, it was just so fun. And I remember going outside of the community and people sort of having these stereotypes of what North Preston was um, in them living in more suburban areas. Um, but me feeling deep inside, like I don't feel as safe in this person's community as I feel in North Preston, but they have this perception of North Preston that it's, this violent place, which was always weird to me. And, um, and I didn't see that same type of joy that I would always see in North Preston when I would leave it. Um, almost sort of, it almost seemed like it was um, this community where we came from a people who had to make something out of nothing and we were grateful to be alive. We weren't thinking. I feel that the majority of the people growing up around me, we weren't thinking, oh, we have to become these rich people or we have to, I don't know, just have all of these external objects to become happy. It was about the feeling of playing with our friends, the feeling of just being around my granddad, my grandma. And um, those were the really important things to me. How do you feel when your voice or your presence through your films hits home with other people, maybe young people who are struggling with mental health issues? How does it feel for you to make a difference to someone who's in the same sort of situation you used to be in? It feels really amazing. Um, it, it reminds me that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, 
At times it can also feel overwhelming. Um, yeah, the feeling of feeling overwhelmed is often like, oh, do people think that I'm just this specific type of person, um, like putting me in a box, which mm -hmm. can be really overwhelming and frustrating. But, um, but if I'm helping, I feel, I feel amazing about that. Yeah. I love talking to you because of your sense of presence. And I think a lot of people think of presence when they, you know, think stage presence, but mm -hmm. you are rooted in presence from my perspective. Anyway, does so that, much. does that feel true for you? That definitely does feel true. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a beautiful thing in a world that, you know, is filled with a lot of people who are avoiding presence. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful thing to see someone show up really, truly in the moment. Mm. And I want to thank you for showing up here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter. Starter.